Luke chapter 18, verse 8. Luke 18, verse 8. Uh, a, a kind of a strange verse. Jesus said, I tell you that he will avenge him speedily at the end of the uh, parable. He's speaking about that. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. That's what I want to emphasize. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth. Everything in your Christian life swirls around faith. It'd be easy for God to give us sight. Easy. No problem at all. Why doesn't he do it? Because he doesn't want to cheat you. Remember what he told his disciples, apostles. Now, now who would say, oh, the apostles, what a privileged position they have. Uh, their names are on the New Jerusalem. That is true. But he said, more blessed are they that believe and not seen, he told Thomas. Basically, then you people, you apostles who have seen me, you've seen the miracles, you've witnessed it. But there's a group you don't know about, and, there's going to, and a much larger group that's going to believe without seeing. They're going to have simple childlike faith. Actually, it's unexplainable, it's supernatural. And God helps us in that area. He says, when he comes back, we find faith on the earth. Have you ever heard of a single blind test? A single blind test. There's single blind and double blind tests. Let me do a little techno babble here at the beginning of this message, a little technical stuff, and I'm going to get in definitions of what a, I looked up on Wikipedia, a definition of a single blind test. A blind method is a part of a scientific method used to prevent research outcomes from being influenced by either the placebo effect or the observer bias. To blind a person involved in research whether the researcher, funder, or other person, is to prevent them from knowing certain information about the process. The terms blind and or too blind, when used in this sense, are figurative extensions of the literal idea of blindfolding someone. Blinded research is an important tool in many fields of research for medicine, psychology, social sciences or forensics. Important. A single blind describes experiments which information that could be information which information that could be introduced that could introduce bias. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna read that again. Single blind describes experiments where information that could introduce bias or otherwise skew the result is withheld from the participants. That information that could skew it is withheld. An experimenter will be in full possession of the facts, but those that are being experimented with will not understand it. Only the ones experiment, they call the experimenter. In the single blind experiment, the individual subjects do not know whether they are so-called test subjects or members of an experimental control group. Single blind experimental design is used where experimenters either must know the full facts, and so the experimenters cannot themselves be blind, or where the experimenters will not introduce further bias, and so experimenters need not be blind. 
God is continually testing you and me. Now, he is doing what we call single blind tests because he's not blind. He's the, he's the experimenter or the subjects of the experiment, of the testing. And so God knows what's going on, and he, he understands, but we cannot because if we knew everything that, that he knows, it would skew the test. It would change the results of the test and the outcome. A double-blind test is when the participant and the experimenter are both blind, which, by the way, could never happen in God's case because he's never blind. He cannot be blinded. <clears throat> Life is one huge experiment. One huge experiment. I hope you get this real good and real deep, especially as a younger Christian. You people that are older Christians, you've already been through a lot and quite a few, at least, of tests, the trials. You are not here today because God wants you to just occupy space and eat food and enjoy the earth. You are here because God wants to see what you're made of. He wants to find out who you really now, see, the Bible says we're right in our own eyes, both in the 14th and 16th chapter of Proverbs. <clears throat> if we would judge ourselves, we'd always be favorable. About 99% of the time, we'd be favorable to ourselves. We'd say, oh, you know, um, you know, you'd try to find somebody that was struggling more than you are and say, I'm better than so-and-so. You always try to choose somebody that's having trouble what you think more than you are. You're doing better than them, so you always use them as a comparison of how you're doing. I'm doing better and so-and-so, and I'm doing better and so you know, all that. And then we're right in our own eyes. We can't even see when we're wrong. By the way, some of the best marriage counseling you ever heard is to understand you're right in your own eyes. How many marriages have been split up because one of the two believes that they're right when they're wrong? Whoa. That's why we have the Bible. Bible opens our eyes, amen, lets us see ourselves for who we really are. It's not pleasant. Reading through the New Testament is painful, especially Romans chapter 3. It's painful because it says I'm this way and I'm that way, and I, I look at myself and I say, well, I don't feel I'm that, but the Bible says I'm that way. Without God, without Christ, I'm a certain way, and you're a certain way, and evil nature we have what's called the old man in the Bible, the carnal nature, is predictable in its behavior fairly much. So God wants to find out who we are. So if you take your Bible to 1 Peter 1, 7, I'm going to read 1, 7, 8, and 9 if you have it. If you don't, just listen. I did a little breakdown of these verses. I'm going to go to 1 Peter 4, 12, James 1, 12, as just an example of some biblical texts that deal with this testing process. It says that the trial, the word trial there is a testing, can be interpreted testing. Trial is a perfectly good word. That the trial of your faith, I have in my notes here, single blind. Single blind. Being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. 
whom having not seen, <clears throat> that's being blind, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, we're blind, yet believing. Ah, there's that faith. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Having not seen, you still rejoice as if you have seen. Oh, that's good. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, that is the end of the blind trial, even the salvation of your souls. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, that's the single blind test, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. That's at the end of the blind test, when you've demonstrated faith. If God doesn't put you at risk, you don't have to exercise faith. Very possibly there's an economic crash coming. Not, I don't mean like doom and gloom, but there's a recession coming. They call it a correction. Depends on where you're at when it happens, how hard it'll hit you. I know in 1973 when the correction came, 1973 was a recession. 1968 was a recession. 1973 was a recession. I just, my wife and I just likened to starve to death. We ate mac and cheese, 19 cents a box, as a main course of what we ate. We very rarely had meat because we couldn't afford it. I went down and bought horse meat. <clears throat> I went and bought horse meat at a buck a pound because that's what I could afford. And there's just about no way you can fix that and dress that up unless you eat hot sauce. Now I know why the Spanish-speaking people often use hot sauce. they got poor quality food in a lot of cases, and they're bland food like rice every day. I mean, wouldn't that be a drag? Put some hot stuff on it, put something on it to make kill whatever, make it exciting, make it interesting. I, I guess that's why they do it. I don't know. I do not do hot sauce. So 73, because I was early on, didn't have any money, didn't have, a reser didn't have any, we had no, for many years, years, I lived week to week. How many know what it means when I say living week to week? Raise your hand. Oh, my goodness, that's good. That's a majority of people. My dad went through the Depression. He was nine years old when the stock market fell and they went into a horrible depression. 25% unemployment. He didn't have food to eat. Oftentimes when mealtime came, they had no food. Had eight children. He was part of an eight-child family. Dad was an alcoholic, and so he had it rough. He had hand-me-down clothes. He never got new clothes. He had holes in the clothes that had been repaired and over, and he went through all this detail with me because I asked him. I was curious about his life. That was a test for him. The trials of our faith are times when you're at risk. Now, if you ask me, I wouldn't go to God and say, may I have another trial? Don't do it. Don't do it. When I was 28 years old, 
I went to God. I finished college, and which was a massive undertaking for me. And I told God, man, I feel like I've stalled out, and I just need something. I've, I mentioned that many times here. I feel like I've stalled out, and I need. I don't feel like I'm growing. Wow. God answered that prayer shortly after that and gave me a trial. James chapter 1, verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. That's a single blind test. For when he is tried, that's at the end of the test, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. When I come back to the earth, will I find faith on there? Will there be faith on the earth? What's God looking for? He's looking for people that are willing to trust him. When there's no reason, there's no physical evidence. You have this. You can look historically how he's taking care of his people. He's given us this. Well, that's great encouragement. This, but when you're going through it, you've got to remember that you're in a single blind test and he's hoping and he's wanting you to exercise trust in him because he's going to take care of you. And he said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. All the promises of the Bible, there's so many of them, that encourage us and, and ensure us that he's going to be with us all the way through. But it was Paul was strapped to that post and they whipped him 40 stripes save one. God was with him. When they strapped him to the post again and they took a rod and beat him 40 stripes save one, I can't not in my mind imagine getting beat that hard. God was with him. So your definition of God with you and his definition of God with you is different. Your definition of God with you is he would cause you to escape that kind of trouble. But he told Paul when he got right, he said, I'll show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. That was the very calling of God for Paul's life. And you don't hear a word of complaint in the Bible about that from Paul. He's, he's, he's talking about rejoicing in his trials with exceeding joy. Peter is talking about the trials with exceeding joy. We're going to come through. When you come through these blind, these single blind tests and you come out the other side of them and you realize God has done what he's delivered you, he's taught you some something that you could only learn going by going through that trial. You could only learn it by going through it. And you have been advanced in your spiritual walk with God. And there's a joy that comes with that. And God in his mercy, I believe, gives us a special joy for those who suffer through blind trials. God is the ultimate scientist. He's the ultimate scientist. Isn't he? Do you have an amen on that? I mean, my, oh my, look what he's made. He's the ultimate engineer. He's the ultimate designer. He's the ultimate architect. He's the ultimate of all the different fields of study that, we, that are out there. He's the ultimate of them. He knows how to run a real experiment that is honest and truthful in its outcomes. God is testing 
our faith. And every time you pass the test of a single blind test, your faith gets stronger. Think about this. You pass. So in 73, we had a, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a crybaby, but we were close. I, I, I'd made some stupid purchases. I had to let a car go. I took a card voluntary, returned it to Ford. It was real embarrassing for me to do that. They sold it and billed me $200. I paid them the $200. They didn't lose any money on it. But I was embarrassed as a Christian to have that happen. I went and apologized to them. You know, said, I'm so sorry. Um, we made it. I'm here today. We made it. My faith was strengthened that God could take care of me. Went through another recession in 1980, I believe it was. Went through another one in the 90s-something. Then we've had this massive 15 years of no recession, which some of you have grown up in, and somehow you may have the idea. In fact, you don't even have an idea. You think everything's always going to get bigger, better, better, bigger, better burger bun. And your house is going to go down to 1980 prices pretty soon. You, you, my house worth three hundred fifty thousand. My house worth six hundred thousand. Yeah, well, it'll be you'll be lucky to sell it for two hundred pretty soon. Now, I'm not predicting anything other than this is just a natural cycle of correction. I'm sorry if you bought when it was at the high number. I'm sorry, but it's a good test to see if God will take care of you through it. Amen. Some people lose their homes during these corrections. They lose their homes. We had people in this church. Lose their homes during the last correction, which was 207, 208, I think, something like that. I mean, things went, the house that I bought for $38,000 in 1980, and I sold for 75, and the guy who bought it for me sold it for 150, and the guy who bought it for him sold it for 210, went down to $59,000. I should have bought it back. People that bought their homes for $350,000, it went down to 200000 and everybody kind of gets tense during those times because it's not fun to go through any, an experiment because the, the experimenter doesn't tell me how this thing is going to end. I just have to trust God in it, amen? Now, this could go with God giving you cancer. This could go with God giving you some other physical problem or, or, or in the testing, God has, a, God has a lot of variety in the kind of tests he can bring into your life. You can have an autistic child. You can have a Down syndrome child. Your wife can die in childbirth. I just heard that this week. Somebody lost his wife in childbirth. Uh, you, you, your, uh, your husband can get killed in an automobile accident. I've seen that. That's three children coming home from work. Boom, dead, no husband. You can make it through all of that. If you'll have faith in the God who loves you and gave himself for you, you can make it. It'll be all right. I think of Abraham, biblical example of a man who had faith was Abraham. Man of faith. Called, and I think it's Romans 4 calls him the father of all that believe. He's a man of faith. Here he is. Angel comes to him and says, you're going to have a child. He says, I'm, I'm uh, 99 years old. He says, his wife's 89. 
and she's way past having children, way past all that stuff. So all that's over. And for me, I, I only, and God says, next year when I come back here, you're going to have a child. The Bible says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Simply believed it. Now, it wasn't scientifically foreseeable. You've never seen a woman. I know I've never seen a woman that's past menopause, way past menopause. All of a sudden, that reverses, and she have a child, but that's what happened with Sarah. No wonder she laughed. She thought it was a great joke. Oh, yeah, shall I have pleasure while I'm old? I don't think so. She basically answered the question, and God said, it's going to happen. Abraham passed that test, and after he passed that test, what happened? His faith got better, didn't it? He, he was, God was single-blind testing him, preparing him for the next big, big test. When he says, I want you to take this boy, Isaac. I want you to take him out, Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him. Now, what's Hebrews say about that? Hebrews said Abraham believed God to the point where he believed if he went ahead by the way, God didn't stop him. He went all the way up there. He built the altar. He put the wood on the altar. Uh, uh, where's the sacrifice? Isaac's getting maybe nervous. Uh, where's the sacrifice? He says, the Lord should provide himself a sacrifice. Wow. And he puts the boy, ties the boy's hands, puts him up on the wood, takes his knife out so far, and now hearing from God. And he raises his knife to slay him, and he meant it. Wasn't symbolic. He raised a knife to slay. They knew how to cut the juggler vein. They were used to doing that. Cut the juggler vein on the animal. Shed his blood. Light the fire. Burn his body on the altar there as under the Lord. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I believe that was Abraham's attitude. Why I believe that is because in Hebrews said, he believed that if he, sl if he slew his son, that God was going to raise him from the dead. Now, come on, people. That's good faith. Man, no wonder he's called the father of all who believe. No wonder God placed a whole nation of Israel, and from Israel came the Christ, and from the Christ came you folks. I don't know. There's probably not a Jew among us. And it's because of the Jews we got to Christ, and because of Christ, we got salvation, and we get included into the kingdom of God. No wonder he said, Abraham, look into the stars. Now, this is, in, this is in a place where there's no ambient light. And he looked up there, and he saw the Milky Way, and it looks like there's just nothing but solid stars. By the way, that's truth. Now we know from the Hubble telescope that it's almost nothing but solid planets and all that stuff. He looked up at there, and he said, your seed's going to number like that. We're talking about a guy who had one kid. I only had one child. People come to me and they almost say to me, how did you do having one child? I did as good as Abraham. God's able to take one child and can make him 10 children, make him 100 children. Able to make you know, God is not limited by a number. Just believe in God. Just believe God. It's accounted to you for righteousness. So when you pass a single blind test, and you say, well, Brother Bill, I don't know if I could pass a test like that. Well, the experimenter knows you. 
And you're not going to be tried above that which you're able. Now think about it. The trial testifies of what kind of faith you got. The trial, the degree of the severity of the trial testifies on what kind of faith you have. So if you get little sissy trials, then you don't have much faith. But I can tell you Abraham had some serious faith. God knew it, allowed him to demonstrate it, but it wasn't so that God would know so much, maybe, and I think there's some of that, I'm sure, but it was really so Abraham would know it. So Abraham could pass the next one that went on. And that's the way it works in your life, and that's the way it works in my life. He's testing us. What if Abraham had chickened out at the bottom of the mount? What if he would have refused to lift the knife to slay his son? What if he would have failed that test? No one would even know his name. And I believe God would have gone through the earth and found another man to replace him. Because he's looking for people. The eyes of the Lord go up and down all over the earth. I think it's First Chronicles 16.9. Looking for those who will trust him. That's the whole, it's what it's all about. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Will you believe God's simple commands, will you? And do them? Will you obey without knowing what's really going on? People have lost, uh, I, th I think of uh, Harold Seidler, pastor of, uh, was pastor of uh, Tabernacle Baptist Church. He was my pastor for about three and a half years. Oh, Harold Seidler, one of, one of his children ran out from a car, got killed. Right in the middle of the ministry, in the middle of God's blessing, in the middle of the ministry, one of his kids get killed. Now, you can't sit down at a table and explain that. There's nothing in your mind that you could explain what would be good about that. But it was God's test for God's man at that moment. And he embraced it. Will you believe God, whatever the results are? You say, Brother Bill, I believe. Do you? Well, let's go to some of the simple things. Let's go to some of the simple things. Do you believe this Bible is the preserved, inspired Word of God. This old King James Bible. Say, man, preacher. And why don't you read it? Or listen to it? There's no excuse. Imagine you get before God someday and Him saying, why didn't you read my book? Well, I was busy watching. I was busy looking at. I was busy with you to. I was busy with. You know, my friends were texting me. You know, some, some of these people are texting three, 4,000 texts a month. You're spending too much time on your phone, man. You spend that same amount of time on this word, and you're going to be a better person. But I guarantee you, you ain't gonna, you're not going to be a better person with three, 4,000 texts a month. First of all, you're going to end up being a lousy gossip because you're going to be talking about stuff you probably shouldn't talk about. Hey, did you know that pastor never has dyed his hair? Stuff like that. <laughs> do you know that Moon don't have any hair? Oh, stuff like that. Oh, you don't need to talk about that. You say, I got faith, Brother Bill. How's your prayer life? These are the easy things. 
These are the easy things. Everybody can pray. Are you praying for the salvation of your family? Are you praying for the salvation of your neighbors? Are you praying for the salvation of the people you work with? Are you praying that God would help you? They say, I believe, brother. I got faith. How's your witness life? When's the last time you tried to give somebody the gospel? I believe, preacher. Was have you been attending? Have you been attending when 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 the dinner bell rings? Are you showing up for God's house? Because what this is tonight is I'm feeding you. And if you're not here and can't see this, you're not eating. And I guarantee you, most of you have not missed a meal in a long time. You wouldn't even think of missing a meal. I've had people tell me, can you miss a meal? Well, for, for the folks in this church that have fasted, and fasted seven days, no problem, just water. Fast 14 days, a little worse, no water. But you can do it. Your body will take it. You can go 30 days. If you've got a bunch of fat on you, you can go 30 days. You go 90 days without eating. I'm not saying you're going to be happy. But you will not die. You will live. And you will end up being, your blood pressure will go down. You'll feel better. Your knees will feel better. Your ankles will feel better. And a bunch of other stuff will feel better. You'll be proud of yourself. You'll go around puffed up and tell everybody else you ought to be on diet. Are you passing the easy stuff? How about tithing? Now, I'm, not, I'm not for your money. I'm not going for your money, but I'm, that's what God wants us to do, give a tenth of the income. So a tenth of God's blessings, are you really doing it or are you incorporating cheating God? The biggest way Christians cheat God is through corporations. Well, preacher, I only got a $60,000 salary and the rest of the money is in the corporation. Tithe your corporation. Well, that would be too much money. I don't think God will be upset with you. I've known people worth millions of dollars that have tied just a fraction of that money because they hide it in a corporation, which is a non-entity or non-person. I'm just, I'm just bringing stuff up that's obvious. These are easy things. Because you can go and tell your accountant, I want a tenth of everything to go to God, and it's done. Boom. That's as easy as it is. That's as easy as it is. I just want a tenth of everything to go to God. And when you stand before him, you will be glad. And then about these, some of the easy stuff, some of the, these are trials, these are tests. Right now you're under, right now. How about loving your neighbor like yourself? How about, uh, how about loving your wife, your husband? The Bible says husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. How about you doing, how you doing, man? You mad at her? You bitter at her? She don't look the way you think she once did. You don't either. You haven't looked in the mirror in a while, have you? And man, it's not about looks. I know you young people, it's big with you. I know that. But ultimately, marriage is about people. It's about two people that love each other and are willing to die for each other and help each other and build each other up. It's about people. We change, man. I look in the mirror and I don't even know who I am. There's some old man standing in front of the mirror. I'm like, what has happened to me? But God's doing a single blind test for you, and he's doing a single blind test for me. I hope you're not a bunch of hot air, but you have honest faith with God. Pass God's single blind tests, and in the end, 
you're going to rejoice, the Bible says, with exceeding joy. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Woo! Glory to God. It explains a lot. You say, Brother Bill, everybody have the same kind of test. Man, nobody has the same. I mean, you know, generally we do, but specifically no. Because God knows you, and he knows the kind of test to give you. And so you may never suffer some of these things I mentioned, but then again, somebody else may because that was right. Not everybody went through what Abraham went through, but it was right for him. And God will be sweet. He'll be loving in his definitions of what those terms mean. Because eternity is a long time, and he doesn't want to skew the results. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd help us to understand what this thing called life is, this thing called faith, the walk by faith is, that it's practical, it's every day, it's real. Much of it is, is simply, easily done if we would have enough faith to do it. Help us to exercise this faith in these areas, oh God. There may be some people here this evening without Christ or personal Savior. I don't know everybody in the room. We'd love to be able to show you what it is to have all your sins forgiven and cleansed before Jesus. You say, I've sinned so much, preacher, I'm too bad. No, there's nobody too bad. The blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse anybody if they'll come in childlike faith and believe he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He died and was buried and rose again the third day for your sins. If you believe that, he'll help you. and He'll give you what faith you need past that, to pass every test that comes your way. Oh, Father, help those tonight that heard this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.